Welcome to another edition of Unplug It. As the fight goes on, we get through the West Coast Eagles at Banana Plantation and move on to the Hawthorne Clash this week. Still alive, uh, we got a result go our way on the weekend with Richmond losing. Another result was not ideal. Obviously, not Richmond losing, but Richmond not getting the four points. And with the Western Bulldogs beating Melbourne, probably wasn't ideal, but we keep ourselves in the fight out of the eight, only on percentage. Tough fixture to come. We play a Hawthorne side that's won three in a row. A Hawthorne side that we have had a pretty good record against over recent years. And we obviously need to keep that going. It wasn't the perfect performance, but it was a step in the right direction. It was probably never going to be the perfect performance, but got the job done. Tricky conditions that had been wet in Perth. There'd been a, a heavy schedule at Optus Stadium in the days leading up with the Aston Villa-Manchester United match and other games uh, that the day before uh, that combined with the conditions meant, you know, we had the shifting surface and it wasn't always easy, but uh, we were able to, to weather the storm from what we said as a West Coast Eagles side, whilst not very good, had certainly improved a bit in recent weeks. So we get through it. And we look ahead to this week's clash. Uh, it was a strange one, Nick, as I, I bring you in. First of all, it's always nerve-wracking watching St Kilda. And I know West Coast came at us a bit in the third quarter, but I kind of had a feeling for most of the day that we'd probably be okay, which is a rarity. But um, but obviously, we got there in the end. Yeah, I mean, you, you <clears throat> spoke last week about that banana plantation. and it, it was very much like that. I mean, going into any game with that sort of Massive expectation, you know, worst team in the league, worst team in the Eagles history, etc. All that stuff that we touched on last week. Uh, and then to dominate for so much of that first mm. quarter, especially, and, and and go in behind at quarter time was, was I mean, you could, you could almost see that, that train wreck happening in, in slow motion again. But you're right, it kind of, like, even though, even though we were down at quarter time, it, it felt like we were so dominant up to that point that it, it almost felt like we couldn't lose. Um, and I don't know what it was because, you know, H, you, you and I watched the game together. But, I mean, given everything, I felt like we were really reasonably calm throughout the course of, of the game and, and never really kind of got too up and about or too antsy or anything like that. I mean, it was frustrating at times, but there was a level of calmness, I think, watching that game that didn't really matter what West Coast threw at us, that we were always we'd always managed to to kick that extra one or, or get that extra one at the end and and just manage to to make it work somehow. It just had that that feeling about it. I, I know, you know, we, we would have loved to have beaten them by 150 points, but you know, all, all things considered, such a, a, a banana skin game, the, the conditions, the teams, the outs for them, um, you know, it was it's just one that we had to win and and just had to get the job done. Um, and, and I'm not sure that we learnt a huge amount about us or, or them, to be completely honest. But it was just something that we, we just had to get the job done and, and, and we did. I I think we pretty much almost missed the last two goals of the first half. We got a bit sucked into the Essendon Collingwood game. It was <laughs> the whole the whole pub we were at just all just got into it. It was quite quite amusing to watch. I turned around and went, oh. Butler kicked the goal. There we go. So it was a reasonable, reasonable five minutes of footy. That, yeah. that yeah, so it was, it, it was, it was probably a lot more entertaining than what we were actually watching, to be honest. So it was, um, but yeah, well, I think last week I said we need to, we want to win four quarters of footy. Three would probably have been a pass. We won two. We won those two very easily though, and that's where you sort of go. Okay, look, we've won those very easily, but. 
we probably should have at least taken one more. And that, that first quarter that we dominated so much, mm. we, we should be winning that quarter by what the possessions were, three to four goals. Oh, that should have given yeah. us the kickstart. We should have really taken off from the start there, but it was, it was just a bit wasteful, a little bit still kicking it to no one, a little bit of just not thinking it through. Then as the game went on a little bit, we saw a few moments where a player propped and stopped and looked and went, I'm not kicking to that option. And waited a second and went, there's a better option. I'll kick it to them. And we hit them. We hit a target in the forward 50. It's just, you'll look and go, well, that's how simple it is. Just that half a second longer to think through it. Instead of just putting it on the boot and sending it forward without even looking. That's when we made it look easy. And, and that's just that half a second we need to take a little bit longer just to calm, let that forward get, I guess, that half a metre of off the defender instead of just sitting on top of them. And, and, and when we did that, you look good. And you, it, it's not frustrating. It's, you, it's good football. So yeah, I guess we got a bit the of patches, patch, yeah. yeah, yeah. The patchy inconsistency was the thing that kind of mm. stood out to me. So I mean, thirty-two to seventeen inside fifties in the first half, but I think it was eighteen nine or something like that in the first quarter. And quarter, yeah. yeah, obviously in the second quarter we had fourteen entries and kicked seven goals three, which is obviously great conversion. So it all clicked that, in the that second is phenomenal, quarter. Really, that's in, right. In, um, yeah. But in the first quarter, yeah, you're watching it. We're missing targets inside 50. They didn't look like there was great system going forward. Uh, and obviously, to, to be 32-17 at halftime against a bad side and to obviously only lead by 16 points is is wasteful. I know West Coast kicked 7-1 and, you know, took their chances. And if they kick 4-4, for example, then we're, we're well and truly clear. But clearly, I mean, we saw it against Fremantle where we, we dominated periods of the game, didn't put them away, and they were a good enough side to smack us in the mouth when we did that, whereas West Coast were unlikely to do that. I mean, the third quarter, I think at one stage, West Coast had 15 inside 50s to one at the start of the third quarter, but only kicked two goals. Obviously, other teams would kick six against you or something in, in that moment. But from I that point we had, on... We had six or seven in a row to end that quarter yeah, as well. Yeah, and only kick one goal. Like, I mean, difficult conditions, but... We then established control and went away with it, but it was a little bit of that patchy inconsistency that, that we've had. But I think our effort and intensity was where you want it to be. We fought pretty hard. It wasn't perfect. Uh, but we've got to remember, West Coast lost to Geelong by 18 points at home. They beat an inform Essendon. They lost to Richmond by, I think, 20 points at the MCG, to Hawthorne by 20 points at the MCG, and we beat them by five oh, goals. That's right. We, we beat them by five goals. So that's been about what's happened in West Coast games in the last couple of months so um again room for improvement but on the most part it wasn't too bad i think like and and you know we've done it to plenty of teams over the over the years and it kind of felt like partly they they brought us down to their level with, with some of their kind of defensive tactics and and that sort of stuff but i think also for the most part even though they kicked straight and they kind of they took their opportunities and that that mm. kept them in the game really but it it was really once again it was St Kilda beating St Kilda. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. West Coast beating St Kilda really any stage. It was St Kilda beating St Kilda, and you know that that entry into into fifty is disgusting. Again, I mean, like some of the it, we just didn't seem to learn from mistakes. Like across that whole first half, essentially, the number of times we have 
free ball on the wing or through the middle of the ground. And we actually moved the ball relatively well across half back and through the middle, but it was that kick inside 50 that so many times we spoke about it almost mm. every time we had the ball H the, the way that we would nearly kick it to, to a two on one or a three on one, or essentially a free West coast defender. Like it, it happened nearly every time. And it was only the fact, you know, Max King, Max King, you know, copped a couple at ground level. Um, Butler was obviously pretty good. Um, and we were able to, to kind of make some things out of nothing, but there was no real yeah, outside of, there was some good play across the rest of the ground. And I thought we, we moved the ball somewhat okay for the most part throughout the course of the game. And, and only gave up 12 shots. Yeah. yeah. And, and mm. I just think like something has to change in the way that we, you know, whether it's our forward structure or, or the way that we bring the ball inside 50, something has to change because it's clearly not working. It hasn't worked. Even when we were playing really good footy at the start of the year, that was still our biggest issue was that delivery inside 50. So I'm, I'm not sure what it is, whether it's this forward structure, whether it's the strategy and the direction from coaching and, and the, the football staff or, or, or whatever, but something has to change. Yeah, it does. And pro- you probably argue it wasn't going to be a day for the big forwards hmm. on the weekend. I mean, it, it kind of turned out not to be, but they probably beat us in those stakes. In the match, yeah, they did. They're, they're most the majority of their goals probably came from marks inside tested. Whereas, marks, mo- yeah. yeah, most Kennedy of ours were scrappy. King kicks both his goals out of general play, which we'll also discussing. Saying, I think most of his goals, the the majority of these goals this year, feel like they've come from open play rather than him taking marks kicking goals. It's been, um, but Butler kicks five. It's it's perfect conditions for his sort of game, but we're not going to get that if he is, he's not going to get that sort of opportunity. If we just sit the ball up above defenders heads, that's where it's got to, it's got to be an opportunity for our forwards to bring it to the ground in front of them. So it's still playing to the conditions. Um, It probably suited us in that way, because that's how we seem to have scored a lot lately. Um, but, yeah, we if, if we're going to, I guess, exploit something that we've been good at recently, probably what we probably could have done a lot more of is actually a bit more of that chaos into the forward line, because we probably could have, I guess, made them look a bit more out of place by doing that rather than just kicking it straight to him, which is pretty much what we were doing most for half the time. We got eight goals from small forwards, and the four goals we got from key forwards were all scrambles, Membry and, and King, the, the four that they kicked between them. And obviously we got two from Higgins, five from Butler, Long got the, the goal from the, the rundown tackle and, and, the, and the good yeah, finish. Mason Wood, Mason Mason Wood, Wood a hurried Wood. snap, Brad Crouch a hurried snap. So yep. Yep. Um, it didn't appear, I think the only deliberate, Set shot goal. I can recall us kicking. Obviously, Ben Long kicked that one around the body. It was Butler on half time, the, the one where you sort of laced it from the pocket. So, mm. um, whereas they kicked probably, I'm going to say seven Most or eight of. from from mm. set shots. I would think I can't remember too many general play goals at all that, that they kicked really. Um, uh, and yeah, I guess that got it was quite strange in that sense to to have the, the really contrasting styles of play. I guess a couple of questions. One I'll throw to you. Nick, and the other one I'll throw to H. Nick, uh, Cooper Sharman playing back, obviously, the last couple of weeks. He was okay. What, what do we think of it? Yeah, he was okay. I, I don't see him being a long-term option there. I, I, I yeah. find, like, you lose his dynamicness 
Yeah. Um, and verse, I mean, he's versatile. You know that you can you can throw him back there if you need to. And I, maybe that's the way that we've got to go is that he's, he plays a bit of that swingman role where he can go back if you need to. Um, but he's he's so dangerous up forward. And, and we know that he's inconsistent. We know that he potentially doesn't have the the work ethic just yet, but he's a young kid. He's coming through. He's immensely talented. We know that. And I think it's just one of those things you've just got to give him some time to, to develop and to learn the craft and, and become consistent. You can't, you can't become consistent if you're not given a consistent go. And, and for so long, he's, he kind of come, he comes into the team for one or two games, he gets dropped or you move him back for a couple of games, he gets dropped. And like, I feel like he's just got to be given a shot, give him a, give him a stretch. Like we saw at the end of, was it 2021? Uh, he had that, that kind of four or five week stretch where he was just given a spot. You're on, you know, your forward pocket, or you're, you know, you're replacing King, who's injured. But you're going to play the next month, no matter what. You're going to play. Go and do what you do. You, you're learning your craft at the same time, um, but you've you've got a month of of solid footy ahead of you. So just go and do do your thing and, and prove yourself. And I don't feel like since that time we've given him that opportunity. Uh, but I feel like he's a far more dangerous player when he's up forward than in defense. And, um, you know, I hope that, you know, one of the things that we look at moving forward, especially with some of the injuries that, that we're now looking at and players going out that maybe Sharman forward and, you know, high more back to play that, that role um, is one of the options. Yeah. It feels our forward setup is, is more of a concern than the, than the other end. And H, um, we'll talk about him, I'm sure in votes, but um, Marcus Windhager, um we probably felt he, the Geelong game was a breakout game, but this was maybe another breakout game. Oh, absolutely played played some really good football. Um, he, he played two to conditions, and and that's one thing that a good player does. They adjust their game as to to where they're playing and what the conditions they're playing in are. And he throws himself at it. He gets himself into positions. He he, he can read the play so well. He knows what's happening out there. And I mean, this, this guy has a preseason. He, he comes back a bit, bit more muscle on him. He's going to be putting players on their backsides all every week, just barreling in, getting the ball, getting it out. He, he's going to become an inside midfielder that he's just a ball. And, he took, he took Andrew Gaff down on the wing in oh, one of the best yeah. tackles I've seen a St. Kilda player do all year. Yeah. He, he's got some real excitement about him. I mean, this is a guy where we've got to hope we hold on to him for a long time because he's going to give us some really good football over the years coming because to, to think he's still only, what, 18, 19. And Fantastic that's physique. Of, yeah, for oh, an AFL player. Yeah. ready to play mm. when he came to us straight away. And he, he should only get better. Mm. I mean, We've seen players that have flown into the game and then gone off after not much. They've shown a little bit and then just disappeared. But I don't see that happening here. I think we've 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 picked up an absolute jet. It's um, rare to see that happen with inside mids. I think he'll no, yeah, he's, he's generally okay. Sometimes the outside players can find it a bit harder, but um, those inside yeah. players will, will generally so, survive. Yeah, um, definitely one for us all to get excited about. Might start with you, H, because uh, he might feature. I won't preempt, but uh, your, your votes just misses. I think, unfortunately, um, bit bit like the Rising Star, <laughs> just missed it. Dare we, I say? We, un- we unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately played you guys into good form, and he went and destroyed 
Melbourne the week after. So you sort of can't argue against it. Um, so I actually got, gave one to Dan Butler. Um, played to his strengths. He, he provided, he got to the right places. He basically, his pressure was good. Um, he basically gave us an option on the day that we needed that sort of option. And that, that it was a great small forward game. Um, I mean, five goals, only one vote might be a little bit harsh in some eyes. It's, it's, well, he's kicked five. Like he wasn't fantastic, but he's very serviceable and a very good game. And I mean, at the end of the day, he kicked 30 points. We won by 28. So if, if he's off and he has an absolute shocker of a day and does his little fancy kicks that we do see sometimes and pass them off and that sort of thing, we may have had a lot more of a battle on our hand on the day. So made the right decisions. And that, and that's the key to what we want him doing. We, we want him making the right decision. It will, will excuse the first one, but then from there on, he was pretty good. So, um, Two to break Crouch. Um, I think he was pretty big on the day. He had, uh, ended up being, what, 31 touches and 11 tackles and a goal. That's, that's a pretty good day out um, for anyone, honestly. So um, gave us a lot of, again, eight, or was it also eight clearances? Used the ball quite well. Um, so he's, he's had a big day and, um, yeah, kept us, kept us moving when we... Um, yeah, a few times where it looked a bit stagnant and actually became the one who was moving the ball. Um, but three to our, our missing missing votes this year. He hasn't been getting many, so Jack Steele mm-hmm. uh, hasn't had many threes this year. Um, first time 40 touches. Um, yeah, led the way and there's just clearly best on the ground on the day and um, I think picked up the full... 10 coaches votes as well. And yeah, he's, it was a pretty much a mile ahead of the field on the day. Nick, your uh, assessments? Pretty similar. Uh, Winhager just missed out. Butler just missed out. Uh, any other day, you know, they could be anywhere in, in that top three. Uh, also honorable mentions to Mason Wood, who I thought was very serviceable um, across the ground. Uh, Rowan Marshall as, as the lone Ruckman. Uh, as, as we know that he can be. But it was good to see him kind of have that sort of performance. Um, Jack Sinclair, I thought, was was solid, but but not his best game. Um, I think we've seen him have more of an impact, and I think West Coast put a fair bit of work into nullifying his um, effect or, or impact across halfback. I have one vote to Tim Membry. I just think this guy's leadership is something that we, we've seen all year, um, has just kept stepping up and playing his part and uh, and going above and beyond, I guess, what's expected of a you know, second or third forward um, guy, his size, his his height, the role that he plays. But his, his leadership, especially while Jack Steele was out, um, but but I think even more so in the last few weeks while Steele's been, been back, um, his leadership and, and standing up when things are, you know, perhaps not going the way that we want them to, um, you can always rely on Tim Embry to, to put in everything and a little bit more. Um, I thought he did that again on uh, on Sunday night. Gave two to Brad Crouch. I thought his first quarter um, was immense. I thought he was by far the best player on the ground in the first quarter. Um, directing traffic, he dominated the middle. 
uh, winning the ball everywhere and, and was just a massive part in our first quarter dominance that unfortunately didn't lead to a you know, first quarter dominance on the scoreboard, but um, deserved to. And then for everything that you said, H, on uh, Skipper Steele, uh, it's nice to see him back in in the uh, pole position in the, in the Jack Steele votes for the Jack Steele award. Uh, he, he's not going to win it this year, but um, yeah, good to see him back in, in the three votes. Two honourable mentions. Uh, Rowan Marshall gets um, an honourable mention. 49 hit outs, did some work around the ground. Um, Membry, uh, Sinclair uh, went past 500 disposals this season. First time in his career he's, he's done that. And for the stats-minded people, that's a um, you know handy recognition. And you know everything he does is, is polish, and, and that was terrific. Um, way back when we played Hawthorne in round four, Four. I think I said Jay Gresham was the unluckiest player not to get votes uh, in that game. I'm actually going to pass that baton on to Brad Crouch. I've actually squeezed him out. Um, he was outstanding, um, but just misses out on on votes. I think under any normal circumstances, he could even get three in a game like that. But gave one to Dan Butler, five goals, game breaker, relatively low scoring contest, had a big influence on the on the game. Uh, I know we got a couple of Joe the Gooses, but but that's what small forwards do. That's okay. Uh, I actually gave two to, to Marcus Windhager. I think um, Tim Kelly, yes, we could debate whether he was fit, um, but he was out there, he was playing, and he's hugely important. He's hurt us before. He's only had four touches. Windhager's given him an absolute bath and then had 23 himself and, and set up some goals. So I give Windhager a couple of votes. And, yeah, Jack Steele, career-high 40 touches, hugely influential, 11 clearances, you know, a million tackles, uh, a great game. Um, and obviously really important that the, the skipper helped to lead us back towards a um, – Obviously, a bit of form, um, like Jack Higgins' first half, too. It was a bit quieter after that, but um, certainly got us going a bit early in the piece. Now, our uh, next special guest didn't play a lot of footy, but, but provided a lot of excitement and, and, and showed the way um, for, I, I guess, a lot of our you know significant results against Geelong over the 15, 16, 17 period, where we, we played some good games against them. And he was front and centre in a lot of those. He, he was also... Um, you know, a player beset by injuries, but, but a bit of a cult hero amongst the club. I speak of Darren Minchington. Revolt, big fly, couldn't quite haze, terrific to Dalsano. So the big three all together in the one sentence. So they have a kick to Cullen. Revolt running hard. Minchington to full forward, he's got a goal, the boy, has he? Yes, he's had a pretty good night. Well, the St Kilda Hawthorne crossover has been fairly common, uh, not just on this podcast, but, but over the journey. We've spoken to the likes of Russell Green, Russell Morris, Shane Savage, uh, Zach Dawson being another one. There's obviously current players like Ben McAvoy that, that did the crossover as well. And our next guest is another of those recruited uh, or originally grew up down on the Mornington Peninsula, which back in the day was a Hawthorne zone, but a St Kilda Heartlands uh, all at the same time. Uh, Plenty of great St Kilda players recruited from that part of the world as well. But he was taken pick 65 in the rookie draft in 2012. Spent a long time in the AFL system with the Saints and the Hawks. A lot of injuries uh, stifled uh, his growth as a, as a player, but showed tremendous potential on a number of occasions. Darren Minchington, thanks for, for joining us. 
Thanks for having me. Now we'll start off with the uh, the one that we, we normally ask last. But what are you up to these days? What does uh, life entail? Yeah, no. Uh, since footy, since I finished footy a couple of years ago, um, got into a, a really good sales role. Um, so I'm in the waste management industry now. Um, yeah, so pretty much work on the road and work from home. So um, yeah, work life balance is really good. Um, so at the moment, really happy. Still living down on the peninsula. So um, yeah, no, all going well. Enjoying post footy life, Minch. Going back to the beginning, but, but like Parker said, grew up on the on the peninsula. Played with the Stingrays in the the TAC Cup, um, yeah. the, the rookie draft. Had you spoken to St Kilda before? Did you know that, that the club was looking at you? And and what was that that night like or that? Day yeah, like? yeah, yeah. So uh, I had Trout come over, come to my place, um, and yeah, had a had a bit of a sit down. Uh, what about? Late, yeah, late in the year, um, I found out the Saints were yeah, keen. I thought uh, Essendon was the one we, me and my management, thought we were going to get take that pick before. So Essendon had the pick before at sixty four, and I was just, I was like, yeah, going Essendon. So thought it was like a shoe in going there. Um, but yeah, no, they they yeah, obviously kept an eye on me. Um, but yeah, I was once the I was just at home really, like the rookie draft back then was just yeah. Just, just, I'm home looking on the on the computer and just waiting for my name to be called out. And then I was in the club the next day and, and the rest is history after that. And getting with, obviously, it was nice and close to home because it was down in Seaford at that time. And how was the the feeling down there? We, we hear, oh, they're so far away and that sort of thing. But for yourself, obviously, yeah. being so close to home, it was an easy transition just to be able to head up the road and go train and then... Not long to get back home yeah. again. Yeah, no, it was. Oh, for me, it was perfect. Like I, yeah, obviously stayed at mum and dad's uh, for that first year. Um, especially with those injuries, I had my I had my hip surgeries in my first first year, so I yeah, it was barely even at the club. So, um, but the transition for me, yeah, it was it was more just the the wake ups in the morning that <laughs> got me. That yeah, the transition was the hardest for me. Um, but yeah, the travels, yeah, the older guys that were in the club, um, you could tell they were not all about Seaford, um, just because they obviously they were, they were all set up from the city and happy to travel to Moorabbin every day. But, yeah, moving down to Seaford wasn't wasn't that great for them. I'm always keen to to know, I guess, that transition when you, you first arrive. You spoke about, you know, getting drafted at night and then being at the club the, the next day. What's that process like? Are you having players sort of ring you? And then when you get to the club on your first day, are you straight into it? Is it a case of, you know, we're off for a run, there's a session? How does that sort of work? Um, yeah, I had the coach. So, we had, yeah, we had the Scotty Waters um, call up. And then uh, we had, at the time, was uh, Danny Ryan, um, who was like the play with. Yeah, so it's sort of just yeah, call up, let you know like you come in, what time and that. Uh, first day was pretty much I didn't really do too much. I sort of watched on, um, and you get like assessments. You go see the doctor, physios, go get all your gear and all that. Um, go in the meetings, get introduced, all that kind of stuff. But it was very light on day. Um, but then yeah, because I obviously I was coming in and they eased me into it a fair bit with my previous injuries and history and that. So I got eased into a fair bit where some of the other lads will just, you can just get straight into it sort of thing. What, what are the conversations like with, with the coach in those first couple of days? I mean, do they give you an idea of, you know, how they see you fitting into the, into the squad, into the team? Do they give you a role? Like how does that, how does that transition work from, you know, undrafted to, to rookie and then first day in, in at the footy club? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. You have like a, a bit of a one-on-one. So you, you'll get to, 
know where they see you as a player and where they think you can fit in the team in that. And as at the time I was, you know, the small forward type role. So to fit in that that forward line with the pressure and all that kind of stuff, that's when you start to realise that defensive side of more than just all about attacking when you're underage going just thinking about goals and and that's about it. Um, so that's when you start to really, yeah, drill down on actual the role that you're wanting to perform for the team. Um, but as a rookie back then, it was just like... It was so much. Obviously, it's different now, but like it's back then. It was you had to wait to you know get on the on the senior list to be able to actually play and all that. So it took yeah, it took time to even though if you're playing well, like it's just like well, you can't get picked next week because you unless you know, someone goes down um, with a long term injury, then you you're not getting on that senior list. You eventually got that opportunity at the end of. 13, mm-hmm. um, obviously played a bit of time at Sandringham before there. And yeah. did, did you find that um, you played a role at Sandringham and was there much influence from the senior team that getting to the point that eventually you would be stepping up? Did they give much instruction saying, this is sort of what we want him to be doing when coming to the senior team and can we can we play that role? Or did, or did you just have a sort of a, I guess, a free reign? Um, no, so yeah, my, my role was just that small forward pressure type. Um, but the problem was I was a midfielder at Sandy for so long. Like, I, I, yeah, majority of the time I was playing midfield, but then when I came to the AFL, I was just pure forward. So um, trying to get that balance right. But I, I just loved playing mid and I hated playing forward in VFL. So um, it was hard for me to get out of, <laughs> out of the midfield, especially when you start either when you're, like, when you're losing, you want to stay in there um, if you're playing well you want to stay in there because you're going to be highlighted more sort of thing around the ball um, to put your hand up. Um, so that side of things, I guess, over time, at the start, didn't bother me, but over time, it started to annoy me because I wasn't playing midfield when I was going up. I would be, every now and then, I'd get thrown in there because um, I just didn't like to change their midfield. Um, so that side of things was a bit frustrating. As you developed your career, you had a very good record against Geelong. Um, obviously, you, you played three very good games against them. They were also, yeah. you know, fairly significant games for, for St Kilda as well. Was there something about matchups that uh, you seemed to get hold of them a bit? I just don't think they wanted to play on me. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't always found Geelong's defence because like, they they just, yeah, obviously love to come off and, and support. So they would always come like a Jed Buse and that would always come off me or if it was like a Mackie if I was playing a bit deeper it was Mackie or who else was down there at the time there was a few others but they'd always roll off and support like they would always roll off the smaller forwards sort of thing so it left you free a, a lot of time sort of thing so um I don't know I just I think it's just the way we played against Geelong as well the, like it always helps like forwards is such a funny role because it's always the way the ball is used as well will determine how <laughs> how small forwards play um, a lot of the time, if you your ball movement's slow and and all that, it's hard to get in the game, especially at high 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 half forward. It gets kicked over your head ninety percent of the time, so you're doing a lot of running and then not <laughs> for not much, yeah, for not much of the ball. I was gonna say, adding to that was the the approach that Hawthorne had to you, knowing that their rivalry did they want someone who would kick three goals a game against them? Is that what they, um, the yeah? Well, I think. Yeah, I think obviously I, I did. I played pretty well in a, a a final in the VFL against Box Hill at Port Oval, and um, and I reckon that's probably might have helped me get across to, to Hawks. Um, but yeah, no, they wanted me to obviously with 
pretty much why they were looking at me because Cyril retired premature. Um, so they were like, and then obviously Poppy was getting a bit like was getting to you know 30, 30 like get, getting into the 30s. So they were starting to look obviously to, and they had like they had no one in between that age of like middle age my age group. So that's what they were looking at. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out as well as I was hoping and I thought it would. I thought the change would be good, fresh start, fresh eyes, fresh medical coaching, all that kind of stuff. Go there and ping my hammy three times in the first year. So. Um, yeah, it was a pretty rough start and then getting delisted and relisted. And yeah, that was a, that was a fun couple of months there. Um, the end of the end of 2013, you finally broke into that senior squad and got a couple of games toward the end of the year. And then Scott Waters gets sacked and Richo comes in. What was, what are your memories of, of that time? Yeah, that was, it's like a blur almost like looking back at it. I'm like, cause yeah, there was a lot of. I guess conflict with the leadership group and 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 Scotty and then obviously the higher up people in the club as well. So, um, but yeah, I, my first two games I played Hawthorne on a Friday night, got demolished by I think it was between eighty and hundred. I can't remember, so I might be able to remember. And then the next week I played Sydney at Sydney. First two games when they were both humming along like they were top two teams top three teams um so that was a great introduction into into the first into afl life um and then yeah pretty much get dropped off that after two games sort of thing so it's and with two games to go um which was kind of like frustrating so where i thought over my career i just didn't get a good run at it my most games i ever played in a row was five so you look at i don't know kids coming in getting drafted and getting 15 games straight off the bat. Here you go. He's like 15 games. Go and show us what you can do. I just never had that feeling I could actually consistently just take that. Am I going to get dropped the next week or I'm going to play well, I'm going to play well. Um, yeah, the transition. So I sort of went away from that. Um, I thought it was, yeah, I thought I had to start with the transition with Richard coming. I thought it was going to be like a really good change. And um, Richard was, I don't know, it was a bit, it was hard, which sometimes he would yeah, say things, but then wouldn't actually go ahead with the things he said. So, Like, like what? Do you, do you have any? Oh, with Al, it wasn't just me, but obviously it was small forwards. Like It was just small forwards. We would always be the first ones out of the team. So oh, the, all the small forwards would be so frustrated because like, you, you might be in for a few weeks, but if you don't play well or if we get, the team gets smashed, you're the first one on the chopping board. So um, that's why it's just such a tough role. So all these small forwards that are dominating, yeah, I yeah, take my hat to them sort of thing because it's such a tough role because I've been there and lived it. You feel that, you know, at various stages of your career, that, that you know, injuries and, and things like that always intervened. You mentioned you didn't get a great run at it, but what, what were some of the more frustrating, I guess, injuries or, or moments through that time? Um yeah, it's just oh, first frustrating ones. Um, it's a good question. I, I did my um, syndesmosis on my right on my right leg. Then I had um, had knee surgery on the left side. Um, that that were too frustrating because like this took so long to get back from. Like I was hoping to get back sooner, but then it was pain in the leg running, and I couldn't. Like fully put weight on and just took so much longer. And then the soft tissue, like I did my hamstring, did my calf, did my quad on the left side. Um, I don't know, this goes, I had shin splints, then I had back problems and then had thumb surgery and 
hip surgery my first year. I had hip surgery. I was literally, I couldn't. So I had hip surgery my first year. I had my right one done first because it was a bit, a bit worse off. And then for, I, had to sit, I had to wait for four weeks before I can do my left side. So I was in crutches for eight weeks at home, twiddling my thumbs pretty much my first year. So my first year was pretty much a write-off, really, after I think I played like four or five Sandy games, including practice matches, and then I was in for surgery. Um, so the transition wasn't a good start, I guess, because you obviously one-year contracts, rookie and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, look, it was probably times where you can – I could have probably done more, but in – getting my body ready and all that. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's it's a hard one, which which was worse, to be honest, because I had so many. And there was no, like, you know, ACLs. There was no, like, big 12-month injuries. They were just all big enough to be very frustrating and annoying sort of thing. They kept you out with my knee and ankle, like, you know, eight to ten weeks, half a season gone sort of thing. Despite the, uh, I guess, the lack of footy over over the years. I mean, you, you didn't play that many games. Was it twenty twenty eight or something games for St Kilda? Ah, uh, yeah, twenty eight. Uh, yeah. Um, but it it felt like over that journey that the 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 fans and and the supporter base really got around you, even though mm-hmm. you, know, you weren't in every week. But yeah, you, you'd hear the meatball chant ring out around the dome, and and that's yeah. just stuff. Did did you feel that as as yeah, a absolutely? Yeah, no, I feel like um. I feel like the fans were definitely holding. I guess maybe I well I didn't really look into social media side of things or anything when I was playing, but like I felt like they were on my side definitely. Um, and I always would get you know messages and say this stiff sort of thing like that, um, stiff being dropped or can't believe you're not in sort of thing. I definitely yeah had the sport and I felt like I did a fair bit of good stuff at Sandy um, when I played in that. So in the VFL, um, but no, I, the fans were yeah. It was just more the backing from <laughs> probably the coaches and that and. And all that uh, was more that wasn't there, I guess. Regards to teammates that you had at the time, though, did you keep in contact with the, many of them these days and still yeah. catch up with them places? And yeah, yeah. So, who are some uh, of the main ones you sort of attached to over the time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nathan Wright, Brandon White. Um, well, Nathan was in my was one of my groomsmen at the wedding a few years ago. Now, um, Brandon White caught up with him the other few weeks ago. Went and watched the Saints game together. Um, speak to Loney uh, a little bit, Sinclair a little bit, uh, Steely. Um, and then obviously, yeah, that's probably the main ones I speak to. I speak to a few of them every now and then, but not consistently. Yeah, probably Whitey and um, Righty and Loney. And then I still, yeah, I'll do some gaming with Steely every now and then as well. Steely's a gamer. Dude. Yeah, every now and then he gets on. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I imagine it was probably hard you know, coming into a club to know what it's like at, at other clubs or anything like that. But that that period was pretty tricky for St Kilda. Obviously, they lost the two grand finals not mm. long before. Yeah, they had a coach that, that, for whatever reason, obviously it wasn't necessarily clicking with senior players. They'd moved to Seaford, which had rubbed a few people up the <laughs> wrong way. Did you kind of get a sense that <clears throat> the club was in? I don't know whether in mourning or in pain or something like that. Whether that was the right term mm. that things just weren't quite right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, well, didn't feel like that in the first year because we, what did we finish the first year? I think we finished ninth, yeah, tenth. Yeah. yeah, so we're ninth, just out of, yeah, just out of the um, the finals. Um, it really, I guess it, that wasn't really noticeable um, then, but you can just tell because was, that was 12 list changes that year when I came in. That's a quarter of a quarter of a list gone 
swapped over. So I think once, yeah, obviously first year and then the second year, it is sort of, it's got worse and worse, I guess, after after 2011 or 2012, I should say. Um, yeah, this, the, there was obviously fractures in the club, which you don't really probably notice as a player as much. Unless, like, maybe if you're in the leadership group, you might, because we obviously have our meetings there, but in the leadership group, you're having a lot more meetings than like a younger player would. Obviously, you're in meetings every yeah, every week you're going into leadership meetings and having meetings with yeah, higher-up people and the coaches and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, definitely after, yeah, probably 2013, once we started, yeah, losing consistently and then obviously starting to get all the older players sort of going out of the tech, like getting traded and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there was, yeah, wasn't a great, I guess, atmosphere around the place. That's for sure. What does that do to your, um, I guess, emotional state, mental state when, when the clubs, you know, they're getting beat downs almost every week and, um, you know, you're suffering injuries every couple of weeks, you, you get in the team and you're out of the team, you get mm. dropped, you get an injury, you're back in the twos, all that sort of yeah. up and down. And, and um, yeah, it's a bit of a crazy life, but what does, what does it do to you emotionally? Oh, I had some tough times. Um, it's just, yeah, you just always, yeah, I always just always found it tough. Like I always beat myself, I guess, about it, like internally. Um, yeah, I got to the point. It's pretty hard, but like I didn't realize until I left and went to Hawks. That's when I sort of opened up a lot more. They had a psych there, um, and that side of yeah, the mental side of things. I really opened up, and you don't realize because you're in a bubble. Like AFL world's a just a big bubble and I can, each club's got their own bubble sort of thing until you're out of that. Um, yeah, it's, look, it's, yeah, I had some dark moments there, that's for sure. And that came out when I came to Hawthorne. Um, so, yeah, looking back now, it's I definitely would have done things probably differently. Um, and, yeah, one thing was obviously would have been to speak out and speak up sort of thing because I held a lot of things in internally. Um, the frustration and and all that kind of stuff, and it was also like, I was so hard on myself. Like, yeah, because obviously I put on weight a lot easier a lot of other players. So I was always hard on myself and would always be focusing, pinching my you know pinching my skin. Like that's just not sort of you shouldn't be thinking about that as a as an athlete. That's the last thing you should be doing. Sort of thing like is worrying about oh what's my skin is going to be like this in a few weeks time, like and constantly thinking like that. Oh, I'm sorry I had to, had to go through all that sort of stuff. But I guess the, the second part of the question is we don't often get to get to talk to former players that have gone through, I guess, that that type of stuff. But what is the the exit interview like when you, you finish up, you get delisted? What's that conversation like with either this manager or, or the coach? And, and then yep. you've got to you know, pack up and, and leave the club and, and, and what happens? Yeah, so I've had a couple of those now. <laughs> so first one, well, First one was I was sort of saw it coming, but I was leaving anyway. So I'd already spoken to Hawthorne two rounds before the end of the season. So I already met up with Clarko and a few others at the club at, the, at Waverley one night. Um, and they were keen and I had a chat with my manager. I said, I think it's my manager's like, I think it's time to seriously make a change sort of thing. Like seven years is a decent, decent stint. 
um, considering the average at the time when I was playing was like three and a half years on the list. Um, I think he's like with all the, he's like I think it's time to for a change up. Um, so it was oh look I was I was still flat because I was like seven years I've got that many good mates I've got that many like people I know like within the club like you get to know so many people coaches players staff and all that um, pretty much yeah Richo just called me in to his office and and said that we uh, yeah we're not going to keep you on pretty much pretty much just said yeah we're we're gonna unfortunately have to move you on sort of thing and um. Well, look, I was upset, but only I was upset more because the people I'd made friendships with, and I was going to leave. But I knew I was like, it was just going to make it easier to go to Hawthorne, pretty much. That so that one was tough, but the Hawthorne one got me, yeah, because I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, obviously did the three hamstrings that first year, and then um, got called into the yeah office and said that. With all with all the stuff, which unfortunately we're about to keep you on, but we want you to train on, and sort of thing, um, sort of thing, which was yeah, which was tough to take considering like I thought it was going to be a good change and all that. I was like, oh, here we go again, sort of thing. Yeah. Finished up, went from playing games on the field to games online, that and uh, basically becoming a, a content creator as well. So, what is it you got into, and what what is it you, I guess specialise in that sort of area for and what, what are you what are you streaming and that sort of thing yeah 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 so I sort of got it because AFL Gamers started I'm not sure if you've heard of it before so AFL Gamers is yeah sort of start of my last few years the footy um so got involved with that and that was just, that was just, um just streaming on like through Twitch and that and that's I've never even heard of Twitch like about four four or five years ago I wouldn't have a clue what like all that stuff I, I game like as a kid like played Call of Duty and whatever grand I thought over but I never got into like watching or streaming or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, pretty much stream on Twitch. I uh, I did have a good crack there for a while there. I was streaming a fair bit when I, once I finished footy. Um, slowed down a fair, fair chunk now that the full-time job and, and all that kind of stuff and other things away from away from job and that, um, the life. Um, so I stream on Twitch um, in an eSports org called Gallium, GLM. Um, so they, they main like Fortnite. They were in COD. Um, and there's a few other things they're going to get into, but they do like a lot of content-based stuff and RLs. They want to get into more RL, like in real life stuff, videos and all that. Um, so yeah, part of that that group um, do a lot of stuff for them, trying to you know trying to build them up as well and get some you know sponsors on board and just esports is so big. Like people don't realize how big and how much money is involved in esports. It is it's crazy. Um, but I'll try and stream like once or twice a week on Twitch. I play still Fortnite. I still Fortnite. I'll play the new COD when it comes out. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much pretty much a bit of a rundown on esports and how I got involved in it. As a final one, um, when you look back on your career, obviously when you were given a chance, you played some some very good footy. What, what are you yeah. What are you most proud of? What's a memory that I guess it, when you think of footy, is there something that that'll come back to you most often? Is it the two goals in the first minute against Geelong in fifteen? Are there things that sort of stand out in particular? Um, well, obviously playing one game, like that Friday, running out Friday night was, yeah, you cannot, you can't, you can't actually, you can't explain how the tingles that go through your body when you play your first game, um, and having everyone there, like friends, family, and just, yeah, everyone there sort of thing, um, besides the result, um, probably like 
oh, I came from <laughs> growing up in Jemina, playing like I was in Stingrays early, got cut because I just didn't really give a shit about footy. Um, playing seniors, partying every Saturday night, going out, drinking with mates, started taking it seriously when Stingrays picked me back up when I was, what, 16, 17. So to be able to actually get drafted and play nine years of AFL footy from where I came from um, is a pretty, yeah, pretty proud moment once you look, once you finish your, your footy um, to see where I yeah, was and where I am now. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud to say I could play uh, one game of AFL footy, to be honest. If, if you could go back to first gamer, Darren Minchington, and, and give him some advice, what, what would you tell yourself? Um, real. I would actually hone in on mental, like the mental side of the game. Um, because if I think I got that right, I think I could have done. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I think I was so internal and like, yeah, it was so strong myself internally that it just built up and built up. And then once I, as I said before, once I got to Hawks, it just exploded, sort of thing. Um. So if if I could yeah go back and actually hone in on that side of things, who knows what could have yeah what could have happened? All that stress on the body doesn't help with injuries. All that once you look it's easy to say now once you're retired and finished. Um, but yeah, probably that's probably one thing. Yeah, that's a, a very good answer, and we appreciate your uh, your honesty throughout all of this. It's been great to to get your insights. Thanks for your, your contribution to the club along the way. So we had a lot of fun watching you, and obviously in retrospect, we wish you had a bit more luck on your side. But um, but you played some fine footy, and and thanks very much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Darren Minchington there. Uh, we look ahead to Hawthorne. We've recorded this podcast a little bit earlier in the week, so normally we would have teams named, but but not yet. Obviously, we wait and see what happens with Jack Billings, who had the back spasms and and was subbed out of the game three or four minutes in. And Jay Gresham, the, the reports immediately after the game seemed quite positive on, on his knee. I think a lot of them were suggesting it was a knock on the knee and he might be right to play. Uh, Six-day break coming back from Perth. You, you worry about that a little bit, but hopefully Gresh gets up. Um, obviously, we, we know that Dan Hanabry is, is knocking right on the door and that's the interesting debate. I mean, you, you you look at the best 22 pushing for finals. If he's in it, you pick him. But then there's the argument that he might not play next year. But but I think they'll pick him. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's perfectly fair enough to be all systems go and pushing on towards uh, what you hope is, is a finals appearance. Mitch Owens played very well in, in the VFL and, and we know he's a good player. Um, and yeah, the, the guys like Connolly were travelling emergencies and things like that. And whether we go down another Ruckman path for, for this game with, with McAvoy being important to Hawthorne, do we back Marshall and, and Jared Lynott to do that job or do we pick Campbell for, for this game? So uh, yeah, fascinating. Hawthorne have been a dangerous side. We've generally got hold of them in the last couple of years. Um, it's been a good matchup for us. We, we smacked them earlier this year. We smacked them last year. Um, so it is a good matchup for us. But in saying that, there's enough talent and they, they work pretty hard. They've been gallant. They've beaten Brisbane. They've beaten Geelong. Not an easy game, but the most winnable of our last four. So we, we have to get this result. And um, it's absolute non-negotiable, Nick. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I'd, I'd like to see Sharman move back forward. Mm. Um, probably a, a high more come in uh, to, to replace him or to slot 
like for like back in, into that defense. Um, we know that he wasn't great in the, the couple of weeks before he, he got dropped, but I think that there's enough, uh, you know, the body of work of his, his career in the twos um, outside of one or two games, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he hasn't, hasn't done much wrong, Tom Highmore. Um, and so I'd like to see him get another, another shot. And, and I think this is a good week for him to do that. Um, you can take intercept marks against Hawthorne with the way that they move the ball. And, uh, you know, that's obviously his, his strength. Um, it'd be really interesting to see that, that Billings and Gresham, uh, uh, th- those injuries and, and how they pull up traveling back. Like you said, um, the, the Ruckman one's a really interesting one. Cause I think Rowan Marshall over the course of his career has always played his best football one out as a Ruckman, um, maybe with a bit of a chop out from memory or, or whoever, but, uh, yeah, I'm inclined to, to go into this one with Marshall again, one out, and then hope for a line or a memory or a battle or whoever it is to or Shaman even when it's up forward to, to kind of take that second ruck or roving ruck around the ground, you know, in, in those pockets or whatever. Um, and just let Rowan Marshall get to work. That that, that would be my inclination at, at this stage. But it's it's yeah, like you said, a, a really interesting one. But I mean, absolute must-win game if there's a definition of a must-win game and we've we've spoken a lot about must-win games over the last month there's been a few of them but this is i mean lose this game season over um win it and things are alive you know you're still alive and and while you're still alive then um you know you may as well give it everything you've got but the hanabry ones that that interesting one that you mentioned i think that they do play him um probably i i wouldn't if it was up to me but um you know i'd much rather give that game time to to someone like a mitch owens um, Nazaire Wanganin Miller, I know, was quiet, didn't have his best game in the twos, but I didn't think that he deserved to get dropped in the first place. Um, I'd be bringing him back in. We we know what uh, Brad Hill did against Hawthorne earlier in the year. Uh, I feel like someone like Nazaire can have a, a, a similar impact. Uh, maybe not hitting the scoreboard as much as Hill did that that day at the G, but um, you know, run and carry. His run and carry would have been nice. The way that he delivers the ball would have been nice on Sunday night. Uh, there weren't too many people who were pinpoint kind of delivery up, up the ground. So I'd be bringing Nazai Wanganin Miller and Mitch Owens back in for the rest of the season, almost regardless of, of what happens from now. Um, I, I understand the argument about Hanary and, and is he best 22? And if he is, then you just play him. But um, yeah, look, it's a tough one. I don't, I don't think he's there next year. And I would much rather get that really high value game time into, into those young blokes. And the Dugowie noise hey, suggests that, the, the Hanabry factor, you know, what I mean, I know he's been paid less this year than um, in previous years of his contracts, but, but the noise around us being the, the likely destination for, for Jordan to go and it does appear that we are the, the likely destination for, for Jordan to go um, would suggest that we're going to obviously lose some money out of our salary cap and, and Dan Hanabry would be the logical place where that would come from. But um, how do you see it in the, in the lead up to, to this, I guess we'll find out if we've beaten a really bad side in West Coast and we're still struggling, or if we've got ourselves back on track. Yeah. First place we have to look is their forward line. But even with them being down reasonably low on the ladder, their, their forward line functions really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Gunson last week, you see, he comes back and kicks five after a few weeks off and Mitch Lewis, he's a young guy who's who's going to become a very good forward over in years to come, and it would, I think he kicked a few against us last time when um, kicked three goals, probably, five. 
Yeah, none of their forwards. Seven, so. Yeah, none of their forwards even looked likely on that day, but he was absolutely destroying us. Um, so we've got we've really got to keep an eye on him. But when you stop them, then all of a sudden Bruce jumps out and kicks three or four like he does, and Dylan Moore. It, it, yeah, it, it's a forward line that on their day they could put twenty goals through without a worry, and we, we've got to make sure that we're really really working well and on top of them and just just don't give them the space to be able to lead into and like, like defenders do to King, don't give them the run to start. We, we've got to chop them off early. If if we just allow them to do what they want to do up there, they're, they're very likely to kick a winnable score. And we've, we've saw them against Brisbane do that. We saw, as you're saying, against Geelong kick the winning score. The, it's sort of team that yeah they they like to sir, like to spoil other teams' chances if they haven't got one themselves. It's very much a pride thing for them to be a team that has an impact on the finals, even if they're not in them. That's the sort of club they are. So we you can't go into this game thinking we turn up, we win, or anything like that. It is far, far from that. Um, as we've seen with said with a lot of other games, it's a danger game. It, it's very, very much a danger game. And if we're not switched on, then and basically wave the season goodbye. It's it's a, it's a big game, and we're we're really going to have to turn up. They'll, if we get the same some... opportunity we did last week in the first quarter, yeah. we're going to have to finish them. They'll we we need to finish them some earlier in the year as well. Yeah, so it's let let let's find that first quarter we should have had last week, and have it this week. I Don't concede those first two the... goals like we did again, and <laughs> give them a good start. Like that's how we played played the start of the year this year, giving away those first two goals. But yeah, let's get the first two on the board and build. You can score heavily against them um, by the same token that they're in a, a, a pretty good side going the other way. I think they've outscored us this year, but have conceded 40 or something more goals than, than we have over the journey. And, and I guess we've got to look at it and say, well, there's a reason we did that to them earlier in the year, because for whatever reason, it's a matchup that does suit us. I know Ryder played that day and obviously famously got suspended. Um, McAvoy didn't play that day and, but, but at the same time, you know, things have, have developed a bit with us with Hunter Clark coming back in and various other roles and the side changing. So it has been a, a kind matchup for us in recent times. But you look at them pushing Sydney, beating Geelong, beating Brisbane, losing to Carlton by a point, losing to Collingwood by four points. Uh, so they've played well. I think they lost to Freo by 10 points in Perth. So they played well against good teams. Um, but... In saying that, look, I mean, they are where they are. We are where we are. And if we're fed income, you've got to find a way to tick the box. So it's that simple. Um, we could be in the eight at the end of that game and subject to what happens in the Geelong Bulldogs match afterwards, knowing that we've got a really tough block after that. But if we put ourselves into the position, as we said last week, they've still got to catch us. So um, I think we're, it's it's a bridge too far having to win the last three if you lose this. Um, if you could pinch two of them, um, if you win this game, then obviously you give yourself a chance. So that's the reality of, of where it's at. Um, we look at some of the awards. Um, that's so St Kilda. I guess from, from my point of view, it's probably Marcus Windhager playing a blinder, but another kid just happens to kick five in the same rounds. Um, a kid that's got a bit of hype around him, mind you. So uh, 
under any other week just about this season, except for maybe the, the Essendon kid that kicked five in round one um, and Joshua Sharley doing what he did earlier in the year. I reckon Windhager would have got uh, would have got the nom this week. But uh, Nick, have you got any? There, there's a couple. I mean, Josh Rotham kicking two against us. He's played 45 games and never kicked a goal. And then he <laughs> bobs up with two. One of them with a busted leg, it seems, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think the, the premiership quarter, I mean, it's something that mm. we, we spoke about earlier in the year that, you know, and, and we've spoken a number of times about the trust and the trust levels in the footy club. And that was one of the most disappointing things is that you finally get that that hint of, hang on, we can actually trust them to turn up week after week and uh, and, and whatever. But the, that third quarter in the first half of the, the season, we were money. We were the best team in the competition in the third quarter. Um, and and it, it showed in so many ways. And then it's all kind of fallen apart. And that's kind of continued, even though, um, you know, we did end up kicking that goal towards the end of the, the, the third quarter. But, yeah, we were outplayed. We were, we were really poor in this third quarter. And, um it's just, it's just so St Kilda that, that that we allow that to happen. And it's also very St Kilda, yeah. The things that were strengths just become weaknesses for no apparent reason. That's right. Um, yeah. H, uh, yours? Um, yeah, strength becomes a weakness. Uh, Jack Billings back. Um, we go into state and in a minute into the game, we've lost a player. It's just, just what we wanted to start the match with. It's just the kind of thing you sort of look at going, of course it's going to happen to us over there in a crucial game that we're desperately needing to win. And within a minute, we've got a player limping off the ground, pretty much unable to move. And luckily we had last week's super sub come on again and play not too bad a game. So, but yeah, it, well, you keep, keep the goal and provide pressure plenty of good. pressure. Yeah, pressure yeah. was brilliant. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's just as, just the sort of thing that we have happened is have an injury first, first minute in the state. And then get another one at the end when the game was done, mind you, as well. But um, hopefully he's okay. Um, H, your Jason Blake award. Um, I'm, are we going to jump on Mason Wood this week? I reckon he, as we're talking before, had a, he had a pretty good game. Oh, he was one of those players that he, he probably doesn't get as much attention as a lot of the other players, but he gave, he gave us some really good options. He made good contests. He, he, he just played a game that you look back and go, that was a really serviceable game. He gave us plenty. He's I, I, I'm suggesting he's probably done the job that he was asked to do on the day. And yeah, he, Came away, we kicked a nice goal there, as we said, and um, he's, he's probably had a, what he could put down as probably one of, a, a really good game for himself and, yeah, give himself a pat in the back for it. Nick? He had a really good year, quite, mm. quietly, yeah. Mason Wood. Yeah, has, um, yeah. Not, not much plaudits and, and probably deserves mm. to be in this conversation. But I'm going back to, to Ben Long. Um, I think the, the job that he's he's given us, that the performances that he's given us and, and his output over the last... I don't know, four to six weeks, uh, I guess, over, over the journey. Um, the the effort stuff, like the stuff that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, um, the harassing, the running, the chasing, the the running patterns, the leading, the re-leading, the, the third and fourth efforts um, are really, really impressive. Um, and then to, to top it off with that goal, I mean, we, we saw a number of good goals from the boundary line. There was Dacos, there was Hugel Hagen, there was 
uh, Jamie Elliott, but Ben Long's goal from the, the boundary line was a very impressive kick. I mean, it was that mm. was a beautiful kick of the football, um, and and just reward. And I was glad that he he had the, you know, I guess the the balls to go back and take the shot. I mean, there's a lot of players in, in our team, I think specifically that kind of shit themselves, and you get in that position, and you know they'll look to kick it to the top of the square or kick it out in the full or whatever. And for Ben Long to kind of have the understanding to let's slow things down, let's let's you know be calm go back and kick the goal. And, and he did that. And I thought he was really impressive again. Mine's, plenty of, plenty yeah. of key forwards over the year be from about the same position and not even get within five metres of the point post. So, mm. yeah, it's a, it was a really, really nice kick. It was. Mine's probably Jared Liner. Now, we look at Jason Blake, who was a ruckman by accident for a, a lot of times, not necessarily suited to playing the role, but grew into it nicely. And Liner didn't ruck much because Marshall carried most of it, but I thought Liner did some nice things, particularly in the ruck in the last quarter. He competed pretty hard at some crucial stoppages. I think around the ground he had an influence. I think he's been okay most times we've picked him, but I think for him to come back into the side and play that type of role, um, you know, pinch hitting rock, giving us a bit of run around the ground, um, did a job. So uh, well done to him. And that's a very Jason Blake thing. Um, Shannon Noll Award um, is probably a trickier one this week. It's probably harsh on him because he's got so much talent and, look, he's on track to kick 50 goals for the year. But I think Max King, I think he kicked a couple of nice goals at ground level, which shows his strength. But I thought Barass certainly beat him in the air. And and Max, he's not done any favours by horrific delivery and, and the way we move the ball and things like that. And it must be so frustrating. We had Matthew Richardson on a few weeks ago, and it reminds me of that a little bit, some of what he copped forward. But I think he's also got to make sure that his work rate's up all the time. Um we don't expect him to be Nick Rewalt, and people don't necessarily work as hard as that all the time. But um, yeah, if he can, if he can just push up and push back, and and just be constantly, you know, always working and working and working in repeat efforts, I think that's still an aspect of his game that can be uh, can be worked on. But Nick, have you got one? That's that's mine. I I'm not sure I can mm. add any more to that. But Max King, for for exactly those reasons, uh, doesn't work hard enough to win the ball. Uh, I don't think, yeah. You know, at ground level, he's obviously very dangerous. A guy his size, the way that he moves around yeah, the ground, is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. You know, he's so he's so talented, um, and it's it's almost unfair that he does some of the things that he does at ground level. But if he could only do the things that we want him to do most of the time, which is lead and clunk a mark and kick a goal, like that, that's what he's in the team to do. We don't necessarily want him crumbing. And kicking two goals off the ground, you know, every week we want him taking a couple of big marks, contested marks, bringing the ball to ground for the smaller guys, front and center. Um, and, and when he does, when he does take that that mark, so often he goes back and, and fluffs the kick. Um, immensely talented, so skillful at times, but there just seems to be I don't know if it's a mental block or, or whatever it is that, that kind of stops him from reaching that potential. It's still early in his career. I, I just hope he gets there. Hey. Again, maybe it's a little harsh. Um, he's not really playing a position that he's ever played before or played for very long. But when you look at Sharman being down back, 
and you look at the conditions that they were on the weekend, as a defender, he was the only one without a tackle in the team. Mm. That's kind of something you look at and go, everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is tackling. Everyone else is getting in there and doing that. Get one on the board. Get, get that pressure in. If, if you're going to be playing as a backman and that's what they're going to be using you as, then you've probably got to register at least one. Mm-hmm. It's 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 almost um, inexcusable to not have a tackle in the back line. So when he moves back forward, you also want to see that up and forward. So let's let's see some pressure and let let's get a couple on the board this week, Sharman, and let's see let's see some good defensive work. The way the way our selection committee is going, you'll probably be given the captaincy this week for, for that. <laughs> given in a, in a game where we barely had any tackles the other week, and Wangaline Miller had five, and he gets dropped for that, um, Sharman will probably get given the keys to the the uh, RSCA part. Roman Town Hall. Yeah, it seems <laughs> that he played defence within the strengths that he plays as a forward, reading the the game and running and jumping at the ball. But obviously, there's a little bit more to it than that. I mean, he did some things well, but yeah, there's got to be that constant pressure uh, all the time. So he's probably still working through that. And, you know, he might have a difficult role this week. I'm not sure exactly where Dougal Howard's at, whether he needs one more or whether he's in the frame, but we'll, we'll find out. He'd be a nice inclusion, particularly the week after when we've got Hawkins and, and Cameron to worry about. So we'll, um, we'll we'll see what happens over the coming days. But massive game again on Saturday night. So hope all the Saints fans can get along to Marvel and, and cheer at home, um, get to 11 and 8, uh, poke our noses into the top eight with three weeks to play and prove that we are truly up for the fight. We, we got the result last week. Was that a turning point or a flash in the pan? We'll find out in a few days' time. But uh, thanks to Darren Minchington also and go Saints.